Welcome back to NYCFC Fireside with your boys Alex and Juan Carlos. We got a lot to talk about, obviously, coming off the draw this past weekend. And, you know, there's a lot going on in this NYCFC team getting Santi back, James Sands, a lot of turnover, and we're adding some nice talent that's going to start to assimilate into this team and hopefully give us a nice little advantage and boost um, as the season goes on here. But but to start off, we kind of want to talk about Brad Sims, CEO of NYCFC. Obviously, as you guys know, Juan Carlos had the pleasure of going to the opening gala for the team and learned a lot about kind of the future of this club and what they're trying to do, how much is invested in the stadium and everything they're trying to build in the community is obviously uh, a super important variable and catalyst in the expansion of this club and making it more of an important thing in New York City and the New York State and obviously MLS in general. So really excited to break that down for you guys but Juan Carlos my friend how you doing today good man thank you for having me you know another episode and yeah let's break it down hopefully you know you guys get some insight as to like how the tree uh, how the team is looking at you know the immediate future because like of course they want to you know get started on the stadium they want to get started on their vision and yeah hopefully fans are like excited for what they're about to bring Absolutely. So, you know, you, you were there and you had first-hand experience to what Brad Sims was saying. Obviously, CEO of the team, very well-spoken and really gave us a lot of information about where this club is going and how important the stadium in Willits Point is going to be. And, you know, one of the most interesting things that I actually remember him saying was that he's not interested in getting big names. You know, you see the Sheridan Shakiris of the world, mm-hmm. the Gonzalo Higuains of the world. You remember the David Villas, the Frank Lampards, and Andre Pirlo. Mm-hmm. You know, you see all these big names. But they don't always equal success, as we've seen in the, in the most recent past with MICFC. Maxi Morales, a lot of guys that, you know, maybe not known on a global scale, but certainly known at the MLS level and certainly very, very good players in their own respect. So, you know, looking at what MICFC is trying to build here, they're trying to, you know, utilize their youth development programs, uh, build some strong teams, not through big names, but through just good chemistry and good players and reasonable contracts. Obviously, the salary cap still exists. So, you know, tell me about your thoughts on that and anything else that Brad Sims said and that you learned during the gala. Well, like, yeah, like you said, you know, a lot of fans, even before this, like, you know, I get a lot, a lot of feedback on my social media. Everyone's like, you know, what's going on with, you know, big name? Why is every, everyone else getting like big names? You know, Higuain, uh, Jobinko. Now I think Kamara with uh, Chicago Fire. So like all these big names that come from Europe and wanted like do this, like this move and like, you know, everyone's saying, why hasn't NYCFC like been able to do this since like we already had this before. So like what I've always tried to say is that, you know, the team is trying to like build a long-term like process and a long-term like uh, program for the team, like investing, like you said, in, in the future, like in young players. So, like, I kind of did, like, go into that question, trying to see if, like, uh, Brad was going to be like, yeah, you know, we're going to bring another big name, just expect it. But, like, again, uh, the team is trying to build with the academy, build with uh, local talent, with um, the stadium as well. So, um, from then on, I believe, you know, people, I think, got to be patient, like, he didn't really rule out the fact that they might bring someone else with a big a reputation in the future. But for now, I think the fo- the main focus is like, you know, we have like really local talent. We have like, you know, no, no like uh, low key or like low profile players. But like, you know, the players that we bring in are really good and they really fit well. And, you know, and the chemistry works. 
you know, why go away from a, like the winning formula per se? Like when we saw that, you know, Tati Castellanos, Maxi Morales, like all really like came through and pulled it through and like gave us like, you know, two trophies and like put us in the highlight of the MLS. You know, why go away from that when like everything is working? Well, that's the thing. You know, why go away from that if it's working? Obviously, NYCFC is kind of going through an interesting transition phase right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, you were the one that asked the question yeah, uh, regarding, uh, which is awesome. Yeah. You know, our, our own guy at ESM yeah. uh, doing the heavy lifting. And it's awesome to see. Obviously, this is a, a big a big opportunity for us to start to showcase the level of quality of content that we're going to display for you guys if you're listening to this episode right now. Um, but, you know, Juan Carlos, before we jump over to the Chicago Fire MRCFC game, obviously ended up in a, in a draw. Um, not ideal. Not exactly what we hoped for. Mm-hmm. But is there anything from the gala that you want to touch on before we head over there? Well, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, from what I learned and from what I saw, from what I heard as well, you know, the team really wants to invest in the community. The team really wants to uh, revitalize the area of Queens where the stadium is going to be built at. So, you know, they're looking to build uh, more like small soccer fields like to get like kids involved. Like I said in the beginning, you know, kind of rambling about it, but like they want to invest in the future. They want, they know that Queens is a really big hit in terms of soccer and they want to build more programs, you know, like coaching, after school programs. Like the whole plan itself is to build like, you know, housing. <clears throat> I think they want to build a hotel as well. So um, from then on, um, you know, more signings as well that they, uh, they announced that they were coming before the home opener. So. You know, aside from uh, James Sands and Santi coming back, I I believe there's one or two more uh, uh, names coming up in the next couple of days. So from then, yeah, I think um, in terms of like what the team wants, just they want people to like stick to the team. They want uh, people to just continue supporting, you know, believe in the future of the organization and believe that, you know, the team is going to, Bring uh, bring uh, big things uh, for the 2026 World Cup because that's the goal, you know. But yeah, that's about it. Yeah, I mean the uh, community outreach, as you mentioned, is a huge variable for all sports. You know, you look at NFL level; they have community outreach programs going into the high school, middle school level. Baseball, same thing. Um, hockey, obviously, you have more of an international kind of landscape there. Um, basketball, they're going all the way until middle school. You know, they're, they're really developing players for, you know, in these youth teams that are just phenomenal. And MLS hasn't really set that stage yet, hasn't really built that foundation in terms of accessing people, like kids, at a younger level and then developing them over time and putting together these really exciting clubs. You know, I played club soccer when I was a kid. I, you know, I, I played against PSG. I played against, you know, the some MLS teams when they were, when they were quite new to the scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was competitive, but not so much. There wasn't anyone that really was, like, excellent. It was mm-hmm. pretty baseline stuff. Um, and, you know, obviously a lot of things go into developing really great international players as well. You know, when it comes to the USMNT, mm-hmm. you look at what happened because of COVID. They had they lost all their funding for right. the U.S. Men's National Team Development, all the academies there. And those are the same academies that developed, you know, Giovanni, Re- Giovanni Reyna, Sergio Dest, um, Weston McKinney, Christian Pulisic. You know, you see all these, even Tyler Adams obviously came through the Red Bulls. Mm-hmm. So you see, like, there are the USMNT, uh, you know, kind of program help develop a lot of these players. Tyler Adams comes through the Red Bulls program, which is kind of a, a sneak peek at what these MLS teams are trying to accomplish and setting the 
um, the stage and building that foundation of youth development. And NYCFC, while a little bit behind because they are a newer club, still trying to make inroads. Mm -hmm. A great way to do that is community outreach programs, building soccer fields, making it a more prevalent factor and variable in our, like, local society. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a very beautiful thing they're trying to accomplish here. But I'll tell you what. Looking at the team right now, looking at the game we just experienced, not the result we wanted, right? Not the result we wanted, but we learned a lot. And the one thing I learned is that we need to finish better. (laughs) We could have won this game 4-5-1. There were opportunities that we squandered that should have been easy goals. Chano, good God, man. We're two feet away from the goal. Okay, maybe he didn't see it coming. It hits his head and goes straight over the bar. You have to put those away. Those go on to not, you know, come on, man, sports center, you know, the, the, the right. failures the, of the, the week. Yeah, That's the, not top, the not top 10. Yeah, I mean, exactly. in that play, like, in all fairness, like, if you see the replay, he's already, like, kind of inside the goal, like, with the defender, like, on top of him. And by the time he realizes he's going to hit the ball, like, you know, he hits it over the top, so like I think he didn't really see it. That's like that's what I want to think. I want to think that he didn't see it and like he just like got hit with the ball. Cause I, that's it. That's what I felt happened. But like I think sometimes you know uh, soccer is about luck as well. You know some things, some days you know shots that go in don't go in, and shots that you know are not meant to go in go in. Look at look at the goal that they like scored against us. That. that that deflection so like you know it's all part of the game i guess (laughs) but yeah i do believe that we need to like keep scoring but i do believe also that we saw some progress like you know against nashville like we didn't really see any touches inside the opponent's box and now you know with uh mitcha ilinich and like you know gabby Pereira taking the number nine spot as well like we saw that improvement so I think we're in the right track. I don't know if you saw the same way. Yeah, I mean, I think that we definitely took a step in the right direction, for mm-hmm. sure. I mean, look, Chicago's not a bad team. They got Shakiri. They have some good players over there. They didn't look so good in the first half. I think we actually dominated them in the first half. Mm-hmm. And then the second half, they kind of fought back into the game. You know, of course, you have the deflection off of Magno. Uh, that's unfortunate. It happens. You know, it, yeah. like you said. It's a little bit of luck involved. You know, Barraza might have gotten there. He looked like he was diving. It could have gone in, but it looked like he had it covered. Obviously, good shot nonetheless. Tons of power behind it. Who knows what have, what would have happened. But deflection, goal, it happens. The problem with that is when you have opportunities to put the goal in the back of the net, you need to take them. Because when you have unlucky situations like that where it bounces mm-hmm. off Magno and goes down um, and, and gives them a goal – it makes the importance of converting those high probability opportunities that much more, um, you know, just just impactful. The 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 shot, you know, I, I forget who it was. It was one v one with the goalie. Goes around, obviously, it gets blocked. I think, uh, you know, the, uh, what's his name? Um, Spencer uh, Richie uh, jumps oh, down and, and Pereira, I was think. It? It was Pereira, an, yeah, and he, and he jumps down. And he, it was a nice save, right? It was a nice save. It, it was but a nice. It's a save. shot you gotta. It's a shot you gotta convert. You gotta slide that on the ground. You can't put height on that. Yeah, but that's the thing, though. You see, that's where like confidence comes in into play as well. Like in that moment or in that play, you saw that. Uh, Pellegrini, no, not Pereira, Pellegrini, like, was not really, like, really not confident about the shot, and, you know, you know when you're, like, in your moment, and you know when you're, like, scoring goals back-to-back, any little moment, any little window, like, goes in, and you know how to shoot it, and, like, in that one-on-one situation, he just didn't really feel, like, didn't feel confident, so, like, when you're, like, oh, like, doubtful, like, 
even if you have like an easy open shot, like, it's not gonna go in. Like he was just not like in that type of position. But like you know, again, like give it time. Again, luck has a lot to do with it. But you know, like go ahead. Like in the first match, in the first uh, chances of the match, Jason that rebound. That was unlucky. Like he went, he went against the, he went against the post. So like you know, I, I, I think we're being a little bit too harsh. But you know, it's just part of the game. I feel like for the home opener, we're gonna be a bit better. Uh, yeah, I hope, well, yeah, I definitely hope so in that <laughs> regard. Um, but you know, you you say it we're being a little harsh, and I think mm-hmm. that's fair. We're two games mm-hmm. into the season. We're not we're not going crazy. We're not mm-hmm. being sensational about anything. But mm-hmm. I will say this: good teams convert chances. Right? Yeah, of course. Why yes, do you think people hate Darwin Nunez so much until the last two weeks? He couldn't freaking score for his life, but now he's putting him home, and everyone loves him. So. Putting home chances, converting chances. Now Gabriel uh, uh, Pereira obviously was a that was a phenomenal that was a great shot, shot, right? Phenomenal shot. shot. It really took his time, picked out a corner, picked out a moment, and took advantage of it. That's you know composed finishing, right? That was the only shot in that game from mm-hmm. NYCFC that felt like it was a composed finish, and it felt like it was it was tailored, it was you know picked out nicely mm-hmm. and converted well. The other ones just felt like they were scrambling. It just felt like they were they had possession, they had opportunities. Mm-hmm. Of course, that back pass that ends up in Chicago's lap that um, I don't know how the oh. guy doesn't score. That's <laughs> I mean that's just another embarrassing that you know those type of things cannot happen. Well, but that's also you know that's also something that I talk about. You know, Chicago is like opening their season like last night against us. They already have like one game in hand. So like those little two uh, difference in momentums like really like take into part. Uh, like I guarantee you, if like they already played last week and the same play happens, like they score, they score that, they score that uh, chance. So you know some uh, little things to take into consideration to like actually be like you know what we were lucky, but like that cannot happen. Of course the play was you know that that back pass was a bit unlucky, but like. Again, those things cannot happen. Again, the goal as well. Like you saw, like the set piece, it was like Kamara was like completely unmarked. That was not supposed to happen. Like you know, yeah, it was a unlucky deflection, but like you don't leave like your opponent like totally unmarked on a set piece. So like you know, little little things that we need to work on. But you know, yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, we're, we're getting there. Again, it's a long okay. season. Mm-hmm. Obviously, things are going to be progressing naturally as you add pieces mm-hmm. back to the mix. Santi did not get that much playing time. Obviously, like, just got announced um, on Friday, and then suddenly, you know, they but need they him. Good. But did you see yeah. how good he was within this little minutes that he got? Like, yep. that switch was amazing. Like, it's you know, we we talked about, like, you know, how um, Pellegrini and Santi were just going to be, like, kind of interchanging, and but you saw the difference as soon as he stepped into the field. He went and did that cross, and that almost ended up in a goal, but got blocked. So, like, there's going to be that, you know, that competition for that spot. So, it's going to be interesting. Absolutely. Well, taking a look at some of the statistics from this game, you look at the match stats, possession's about 50-50. So, even there, shots on goal. NYCFC had three mm-hmm. shots on goal compared to Chicago's one. Nine, both, mm-hmm. both teams had nine total shots. So, 
you're looking at three compared to one. You have to convert those, obviously. I don't even think that the Chanel airmail was considered a shot on goal. I think it was just considered a shot. Um, yeah. Fouls, you know, NYCF says 19 fouls compared to 15. Obviously playing more of an aggressive game. Yellow cards, mm-hmm. two. Um, offsides, two for Chicago. Corner kicks, six to four in favor of Chicago. And then a couple saves for the fire as well. Two saves compared to zero from NYCFC. The defense looks solid. Like, I actually thought that the defense, Kufre, there is... There, Kufre, Lenich, I told you. Kufre. Kufre. I told you Kufre. I told totally. you Kufre was Kufre. James Sands clearly helped out significantly on the defensive yeah. side. There was, was yeah. a good defensive performance from NYCFC. Just a stupid deflection ends up being <laughs> the difference there, right? But I, yes. I liked what I saw in that regard. Yeah, I mean, if you saw Ilinich, like that kid impressed me. Like you saw the, what the coach said in the post-match press conference as well. Like he was just, he connected with uh, Gabri Pereira like so much down that like uh, right hand side that you know it was just like those two plus the Keaton Parks also was able to make more of like free movements along the field so you know it, but again you know I think the most negative point like for another week is like Talis Magna not being like involved like you know last night was only like Ilinich, Jason and um, Gary Pereira so um, what do you think about that point like you know I mean, you know exactly what I think about that point. He should not be. He should not be the number nine. I mean, this is this is what we've been discussing. You know, mm-hmm. he should is... not, yeah, he should not be the number nine. But again, also something that the coach pointed out last night as well after the the match was the fact that at some point or like throughout like you know halftime, he made the point. He pointed out that he told the team to pass the ball to Gabi Pereira. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, Unless he's going to be the new nine. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I don't know. I, How did I, you see his performance, though? Like, I feel like he had, like, two passes where, like, he did some pretty good nine kind of style movements. So, uh, I'd rather see him. After the, the goal yesterday as well, like, I'd rather see him as a nine instead of Talis Magno. But yet again, you know, long season ahead. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, look, here's the thing. I will and will continue to see Magno as a left winger. That is where, that is what, I mean, look, you look at their formation, you look at who's playing Mm -hmm. on the left side, um, Mm -hmm. and you have Jason, it's, it's not the same as having Magno. I mean, the the problem here is that you don't have your true number nine and they're trying to use Magno as his number nine because he's like arguably their best player. If you mm-hmm. put him at left wing, you allow him to use that space. And here's the thing. There were a couple of occasions where MICFC like, had some opportunities down the right wing, and Magno mm-hmm. ends up on the right wing. Like, why is he the number nine, but he's somehow ending all the way on the boundary? It's because he wants to be on the boundary. He, he's gravitating mm-hmm. there because that's where he naturally wants to be, and he finds himself out of position because of that. If you have him playing on the wing, he will stay there. You know, he's not going to be mm-hmm. this free-roaming uh, number nine where, like, suddenly you don't have a striker if that ball mm-hmm. ends up in the place where you need it to be. He needs to be on the wing because he naturally gravitates there, and then suddenly you're pu- he's pulling himself out of position, and then you have all, four or five guys that are bunched up into a space, and you don't need that much that that many players right, in the same right. place. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm right. saying. You don't saw, need that. Too. Yeah, you don't need four or five yeah. guys in the same space. You I mean, that's the entire concept. You have to spread these guys out. You can have three guys. Look, okay, for what it's worth, I'm making I'm gonna make a rash, uh, you know, comparison. And not even comparison, mm-hmm. the style of Tiki Taka, right? We talk about mm-hmm. Tiki Taka, MLS players, not 
not the most accustomed to be able to, you know, operate in a tiki-taka mindset. But I will say this. A lot of what soccer is is playing in triangles, right? Triangles, triangle is known to be the strongest shape. If you play in triangles, you can maneuver and you can move successfully to open up and clear space out. You don't need four or five guys to create a triangle. You need three players and you can use your right wing you know, your right back and you can use your center uh, midfielder, whether that's Keaton Parks, whether, you know, he's moving up the, or you have uh, whoever it might be um, playing in the middle of the field. It could be Andrade for all we know. So, you know, if you have that triangle there, you don't need your number nine in Talis Magno to be dragging himself out of position. And suddenly you have four guys in a condensed space and you have guys out of position. Play with triangles, move, move with that space, open up that space. And then it, the more you condense people, the more you know, uh, you know, players you have in the same area, the more defenders are going to be there and the, mo- the higher probability they're going to turn the ball over, right? So that in my opinion, right. you need to spread things out a little bit. You need to be a little bit more um, fundamentally sound. You need to have a better strategy because I, it feels like they're just a little bit out of position at times. Yeah, I think that's... Unless we're playing as a false nine, uh, unless, like, you know, Talis Magno feels like, you know what, I'm going to move so I can create space, but I don't feel like his teammates, like, read his movements as well. I mean, you know, his intentions might be good, you know, go, going down the right and then uh, GP goes to my side and leave, leave him open, like, you know, and then they could create chances there. But, like, if they don't get to, like, kind of sink into their movements, like, he could be on the left, he could be on the right, he could be in the middle, you know, as long as, long as they don't really, like, connect as to how they want to play, like, we're going to see, like, this mistake uh, week in, week out, but... I, I I don't know. To be honest, again, uh, Talis Magno just is, uh, needs to be on the win. I think that's where we get the best of him, and you know, totally shouldn't really be changing there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, you mentioned a false nine. If you're playing that, you can have a little bit more room to to run. But you know, when mm-hmm. I think of a false nine, I think of a holding like you know a Messi. You know, Messi plays that mm-hmm. false nine, drops back behind the defenders, gets the ball in mm-hmm. space. That's mm-hmm. a little bit maybe maybe they want Magno to run a similar role to that. You know, instead of pushing and making mm-hmm. runs behind the defense, they can have him play a false nine, stay in the middle of the field, drop back behind into space, get the ball, and then mm-hmm. use his vision. To find opportunities. The problem is he holds on to the ball too often and too long. Um, so you can't have him play a false nine. You need mm-hmm. to have him playing on the wing where he has space to run and he can take on defenders. Taking on defenders in the middle of the field is is only something that Messi can do. That is the, that is a messy thing. That is what mm-hmm. he does. He takes guys on in the middle of the field because he is capable. He knows where everybody is. He already has mapped out the entire defense in his head, and he's able to know where to go. The thing is, if you, when you have a player like Magno who wants to take guys on, but he's very like he's looking where right ahead. He doesn't know where people are around him. The second people mm-hmm. converge on him, he's trying to dribble through three or four defenders. You need him to be one on one on the outside. That's where he can really win. So we need to be at a four-three-three system at all times. I think that's the system that fits him best. I think to yesterday we were at a four, four, two, three, one. I believe. Yeah, four-two-three-one. But four-two-three-one. Yeah. So I don't know. Unless you know, unless they go. Listen, we're not the coach. We're not the technical staff. Like you know, we see something and they see something else. Mm-hmm. So like, unless they're seeing something differently. Like, why not stick to, you know, 4-3-3 and just go with it, you know, get Talis Magno, like, on fire and then, like, start getting some goals. But, 
you know, one thing is what we see again, and the other thing is what they see. So yeah, you know, it's gonna be hard to actually agree on how they should play. You know? No, totally. I mean, I I think that you're right, though. I think the four three three would be a little bit better because though. So the, the reason that they play the four two three one is because they want those two midfielders to stay back, Keaton Parks and James Sands, right? They want those guys and to they be defensive. They did good, and they did good. And they did. The good. problem is the problem with okay, so. There's a couple things that they can do to try and help their offense a little bit more. They can either play a higher line um, and try mm-hmm. to you know play the offside trap, uh, which is what you can mm-hmm. do if your defense has a lot of chemistry. But they just, unfortunately our group doesn't just yet, so probably not the best idea. Mm-hmm. It's going to be more of a liability. Um, you see, mm-hmm. like Liverpool plays a high line all the time. But the thing is, if you're playing a four-three-three and you want to play two center mids, and then you have a center attacking midfielder, left wing striker, right wing. You can operate mm-hmm. a lot better that way. I think if you put Magno at left wing, uh, Pellegrini can play Cam. Or, you know, instead of Pellegrini playing Cam, you have um, Santi playing Cam. Pereira at right wing. And then, of course, at striker, you could have Thiago Andrade. The problem is there's – okay, my biggest qualm right now is that the is that NYCFC doesn't have a pure striker. They don't have a pure finisher. Nobody no, on this team a is a pure finisher. finisher. They're not a hold. There's mm-hmm. no holding striker or holding center forward up there. So you need to find mm-hmm. that. Like you said, they're going to be adding some more pieces. If they want to do that, it's got to be someone who can finish. Like their their entire style is a high. finisher, and they can hold mm-hmm. possession and and move it on to guys making runs beyond them on the left and right wing. That's what I see. Or even just holding it off and then feeding it off to Santi at center attacking mid, where he can use his vision. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So hopefully, you know. Uh, Trust me, the team, the fans, not, not not the team itself, but like, you know, the fans have been like screaming for a number nine since, you know, as soon as they found out that uh, Tati was about to leave, like, you know, they were like, we need a number nine. Of course, we have Heber at the moment, you know, but, you know, things didn't really work out. But it's working out now for him in Seattle. So like some things, <laughs> some, some things you know, are just like crazy how everything works, but you know, the fact that we haven't really, like, looked into really getting a number nine, a proper number nine, it's just crazy. And it's been, like, what, one season already? So, like, hopefully, you know, that last movement, I know we're going to have, I think, uh, Ledesma's, like, another midfielder, I think, or a winger also. So, you know, the fact, okay, we welcome wingers. Like, you know, midfielder is, like, probably our strongest point. But, like, if we don't score goals... What's the point of having a strong midfield? So, I don't, I don't know. Hopefully, you know, they bring in a number nine and gets things rolling. Yeah. yeah. I mean, look, we had Maxi last year and Valentin um, mm. were easy. Like, they were able to supplement not having a number nine because they were just such good finishers, right? I mean, well, Tati used to do that, those movements by of himself. Course. You saw how he tracked back to defense. You saw how he good work rate. ran for, for the ball. Like, yeah, the work rate. Yeah, so he jumped. He went for headers. So, like, we don't really see that. In yeah, Of course, they go front. Like, they dictate shots. But, like, you don't really see that work rate in any of the strikers or the attacking players. Mm-hmm. Not that they don't have it, but, like, you know, they have other abilities and other skill sets that, you know, Tati didn't have. So, like... But we need to go to to the market and see like a like a nine. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully yeah, mm-hmm. hopefully. But 
You know, <laughs> guys, I'd love to hear perspectives <laughs> below in the YouTube comments. Make sure to like and subscribe, as always, to NYCFC Fireside. We've got uh, weekly episodes coming out, maybe more than that sometimes. I'm definitely going to be mm-hmm. following the team throughout the season. Of course, we're going to be doing some really cool exclusive content. Juan Carlos is going to be getting all that good stuff for you guys, so make sure to follow him on Twitter and the NYCFC Fireside Twitter account, Instagram, and TikTok. we got you guys covered on all fronts. Uh, much love, as always, like I mm-hmm. said before. Like, subscribe if you enjoyed the video, and we'll catch you guys on the next episode. Bye, guys. <laughs>